podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, as promised, the Coppa Italia is back and that means we are back, guys. Somebody's got to cover it. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory. I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam, and a special guest, <laughs> Francesco. Francesco, how are we doing, man? Hi, guys. I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, very honoured to be on the pod. Uh, very happy about nice. the opportunity and uh, looking forward to chat about football. <laughs> yes. Nice. Well, Adam, we need to actually mm. get it out. I think there's like an elephant in the room, right? We need to get it out quickly and warn yes. our listeners. Francesco is a Juventus fan, uh, so we yeah. do have a Juventus fan on the pod, <laughs> hopefully providing a bit of balance. How do you feel about um, it, Adam? We probably have to give that balance because we've been slating them for the last few pods, haven't we, to be yeah. fair? Maybe it's more because we dislike Allegri ball. That's what it is, Rory. We just hate Allegri ball. We like aesthetics, ah, don't we? Possibly. So that's the problem. We're too... What couldn't I say? Artistic about our football, but um, never mind. Yeah, we're just too yeah, snobby. That's what it is. I, I think we're too I snobby. Think most of the Uber fans will, will support you on that statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most entertaining, but hey, this evening you got four mm. goals. That's four more than most other matches. <laughs> I think that's not bad. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about the performance against Frosinone in general? Uh, it's a good performance. I think uh, Allegri might get be vivid about us scoring so many goals. Uh, <laughs> I think that last time we won six ones against Salernitana and his face at the end of the game was really annoyed as if like we scored too many. How are we going to win one nil if we score all the goals now and people are going to think we'll play a good football? <laughs> so, yeah. but, uh, it's good to see the team uh, playing well. Um, had a trick for Milik, which... Is unexpected. Mm. Uh, it doesn't get a lot of yes. time now, but at least it gives him some confidence. Uh, Ildid scoring his third mm-hmm. goal in uh, nice. since he started playing regularly, so it's nice. I mean, one of the few silver linings of the Allegri ball in the recent years is all the youngsters he's bringing through. So I think that uh, mm. at least we can give him credit for that. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely spot on, and we'll get onto that later. I think with youth players coming into Italy. So, Adam, what are we going to be talking about today? Before we, well, what are we going to be talking about <laughs> well, today? Well, it's the topic that both of us have wanted to cover, and that is the growth decree that has been removed as of midnight last year, technically, or this year. It depends which way you want to look at it, mm-hmm. but it was a huge <laughs> factor in terms of how Serie A is going to pan out I suppose for the rest of this period of the season um, a lot of chairmen weren't happy by the decision um, and obviously we brought on Francesco to talk us through the impacts for Italy at a wider scape I would say but also Serie A and I've uh, kind of got a few topics that I think we need to discuss as well because I think it's wider implications for not just in Italy but it's also the rest of Europe because if you think about the impacts of what Italy has done with this in particular, this legislation, it's helped achieve that ability to purchase players that would be potentially on higher wages mm-hmm. elsewhere. So I think this is the other aspect 
the Premier Leagues are going to probably struggle with this impact of trying to shift players. So mm-hmm. huge opportunity there. And obviously, we've got to talk about the Coppa Italia. There's been some interesting matches, it's fair to say. Much better than the Carabao Cup yep. semi-final first legs. Let's put it this <laughs> way. So I think we'll give five minutes to the Carabao Cup and the rest to Coppa Italia for once. And then obviously, we've got to do the previews of the weekends as well, Rory. And of course, we have a brand new quiz for the listeners to look Mm. forward to. So guys, we're going to take a very quick break and we will come back after this. Enjoy the adverts. Welcome back. What great adverts they were. (laughs) It is time to talk football and we're going to be talking growth decree, as Adam said, in the top of the show. So what was the gro- the growth decree? Well, basically, this was like layman's terms. I'm not very good with tax and finance. It was basically the government would pay a large percentage of tax on high earners to encourage highly skilled workers to come into the country. There was a brain drain within Italy where a lot of people were leaving in order to earn more money. And it was something that kind of was left to counteract that, right? But With the new government, um, there's lots of things we can criticize them for. That's not for this podcast. But this government have decided that they are going to remove the growth decree. And Francesco, how did you first feel about this story when it came out? Do you think, if we look away from football, do you think it's a good thing for the country as a whole before we focus on football? Uh, I think it's very difficult to um, give a judgment, a blank judgment on this topic. Uh, it's kind of opening a Pandora box regarding the whole economy of Italy and how the country is going. Uh, I personally don't think it's the smartest move. Uh, has a difficulty in retaining talent, as you say, um, especially young people. So you're mm-hmm. basically removing the one incent- incentive that people had to come back. And so, yeah, uh, I don't think it's uh, a, good, a really smart decision and thought through. Um, so we'll see on the long term how it will impact the, the whole economy in Italy. Mm-hmm. And it's come at a kind of bad, well, is, is there ever a good time? But it seems to have come at a bad time, Adam, mm-hmm. because it, it feels like Serie A was really yes. growing, right? Serie A, we've been talking about it for a long time, second best league mm-hmm. in Europe, basically, probably for the last four years, mm-hmm. I would say. It's been the most competitive, the highest quality behind the Premier League, of course, that will rattle some other <laughs> yep. Serie A podcasts <laughs> that we know. But um, do you think this will... How do you think this will affect Serie A and the levels that it's able to achieve? Because mm. I've really enjoyed, we've really enjoyed the renaissance that we've yeah, seen. Yeah, I would say Serie A has blossomed over the last few seasons. Obviously, it was helped by last year. You saw the amount of Italian clubs in Europe and what they were able to display, you know. Um, and even prior to that, you sort of were excited about the league, even as a neutral, like, you would clock on and you would look at the results and you go, something's going on in Serie A. There's so many goals right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Italy was kind of known for being very ultra defensive when I was growing up, for example. And it was always kind of very tough to see kind of free all results. And now you were getting these really large results mm-hmm. and even surprises, you know, smaller teams, you know, outdoing themselves and really being competitive in a league. So it actually opened up a huge kind of opportunity in terms of the brand aspect for Serie A. And um, 
I suppose, you know, with this growth decree kind of ruling, it's um, going to put that under jeopardy now. And I suppose there's a lot of question marks still going on about, you know, those that are currently signed up. Is that going to last till the end of this season or is it going to be any further or is it to the end of their contracts, for example? Um, that needs to be kind of looked into. Chairman around Serie A clubs, they're really despairing at this decision. Um but there is kind of, I suppose, benefits as well that we have to talk about. So that sustainability aspects. Mm-hmm. You saw what La Liga did, for example, how they've tried to rebalance that power shift from the bigger clubs to the smaller clubs. And you've got a great example of Girona doing quite well. Could we see someone like yeah, uh, yeah. Florentina mm-hmm. now blossom, for example? Um, the other aspects, I suppose, we've talked about it quite extensively, Rory, and you'll know quite well as well, is around... Italian homegrown players they've struggled obviously mm-hmm. there seems to be a promising sign with the under 17s under 19s they seem to be you know there seems to be a strong team ethos but it's how do we encourage those players that are Serie C level for example Serie B for example how can we make them better to then potentially step up because there's always been that kind of degree of mm-hmm. clubs being promoted from Serie B those players want to stay in Serie B because they get a better wage so that seems a bit strange as well in itself but there's so many kind of opportunities there but then it's really outweighed by those impacts I suppose because you think about mm-hmm. if that growth decree goes those players then go elsewhere and that means declining revenue for the league as well as the clubs we know how badly run Serie A is in terms of its brands and promotion around the globe I mean you only have to look at the TV rights for example and the deal that they were able to achieve yeah. like yeah. they should be doing more and, and you know they've got a great product Serie A is one of those leagues that people tune into they really want to watch it it's undersold. So they, you've got some real big opportunities that, you know, FIGC, for example, could be doing more, for example. And obviously, mm-hmm. I think, Rory, it's going to encourage more backers of the Super League. And that's the big thing. And it'll be interesting to see what Francesco's thoughts is around that as well, because mm-hmm. Agnelli was a big advocate around that. It was mixed reaction from what I could see about the Juventus base generally. But I think, you know, we know about a certain podcast that's like adamant that the Super League has to happen for Italian clubs to grow. And this is just going to address that balance to be more in favour of that. So interesting topics here that we've got to talk about as well, because, yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's quite heavily weighted, isn't it? Yeah, I think that is an interesting point. I'm going to go to Francesco. Like, how do you feel the clubs are going to deal with this? Because obviously, Inter are very well. Inter, there's always rumours about them going bankrupt, right? Juve don't have a lot of money, which is why you're leaning on, you're starting to lean more on the youth products, right? Milan don't have a lot of money. There's a lot of clubs here that are kind of living beyond their means. Do you expect us to see fairly immediate results from this growth decree growing out, or do you think they'll give the clubs time to adapt? Uh, I think I've read that they're going to give the clubs until end of February to uh, kind of prepare for it. Um, and wow. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the typical way of doing things in Italy where they just drop it halfway through the season without giving mm. any type of uh, heads <laughs> up or warning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they tend to do that at government level with other types of uh, directives <laughs> that are not impacting <laughs> football. So it's always quite interesting. Um, but I think it, it, it will have repercussions. I mean, uh, ultimately, you're removing one of the few tools 
the Italian Serie A had to compete with the Premier League. Mm -hmm. uh, as you said, I do believe that the Serie A is level. So now with this new decision by the government and removing uh, this opportunity to make the Serie A grow even more, I don't know if these investors are going to be uh, so interested in keep putting money into the project. Mm. Uh, it's definitely mm -hmm. probably not going to attract a lot of new customers, uh, new investors. And uh, ultimately, um, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because one of the main uh, points in favor of this, as you said, Adam, was, um, mm. well, it will at least replenish the pool of young Italian talents. Um, but I think that that's not a problem of because you have, as a lot of uh, backers says, uh, you have too many strangers, too many foreigners playing in Serie A who are paid mm -hmm. um, more than uh, or than uh, than an Italian, but cost less on the papers because of the decreto uh, crescita. Um, mm. I think that it's a systemic problem within the Lega Calcio in Italy uh, because. Mm -hmm. The way the whole football structure and pyramid is built is not uh, promoting growth within the other categories that are outside the Serie A. And mm -hmm. the gap from Serie B to Serie A is still quite high. And yeah. now, as you were saying, Juventus with the under-23 team, they kind of played around that quite early. I think that was a very smart move from mm -hmm. uh, Agnelli and, uh, and the, the whole uh, board of Juventus. And they're paying now to fruits because they have players who uh, are more ready. Um, mm -hmm. The other teams which have the Primavera still, which is the, the mm -hmm. under-20 team, they, they struggle to bring them forward into the main team. Uh, and that's one of the main issues that um, the whole Italian football and Italian uh, league has. Bringing forward youngsters is well, very, very this so, well, this is something I wanted to ask you about because obviously Juventus have got Juventus next gen who are currently playing in Serie C, right? And I think as of next season, Atalanta have a team that are joining yeah. and Inter have a team that are joining. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is something that we're going to see widespread? And do you think this is a, a good thing? Because, for example, like Adam and me, we both follow lower league football teams, right? League two, league one. I personally don't like the idea of Crew Alexandra playing Arsenal reserves, mm -hmm. right? Or Manchester United reserves. I think we're not a reserve team. We should play first teams, right? Yeah. But as someone who has, who supports a team, who has a team in the lower leagues, do you think this is a good thing for Italian football and could be something that kind of helps young Italian players and helps the league improve away from the growth decree? Uh, I, I think definitely. Uh, I, I'm not sure all the teams are going to do it. I don't think all the teams are interested in doing the, the same model. Um, but teams that saw what uh, Juventus did uh, and were interested, they definitely worked towards making it happen. Um, I do understand what you're saying, your point of like, if I'm uh, a team from Serie C and uh, I have to fix, uh, play against Juventus next gen, who cannot go down or cannot go up. It's not really that interesting for them. Um, yeah. But I think uh, for the way the Italian football is and to 
hardship it is for young players to break through, uh, it's definitely be going to be beneficial in uh, that sense. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it. I mean, if you look at it in Spain, they had B teams for quite some time. Yeah. And Barcelona, one of the main reasons they bring through so much talent is because of uh, the B team they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very true. And Germany yeah. has it as well. Um, I think like there's a, quite a few leagues across um, Europe that do have it. So, Adam, do you see this as a positive? Do you think this is something? Because I think ultimately, if you're if you're thinking solely about mm. Italian football and about Italian young players, it is a positive. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it's encouraged, right, that we kind of get to a sustainable point. Um, but I, I would allude to the point of that revenue that is lost from these players that are going to be affected by the growth decree, you know, how is Mm -hmm. the league going to be what it used to be in the nineties, for example? I mean, even then Mm -hmm. I think this was the thing that I always took from one of the interviews. I think it was Paolo Maldini said, you know, even though there was a limit in terms of the internationals as an Italian, you had to make sure you were at that level as well to be part of the squad, right? You mm-hmm. wanted to ensure that you were part of the squad. So I do feel that that kind of influence will be missed if um, you know the growth decree is removed and it feels like that's going to happen regardless. And, you know, there doesn't seem to be kind of a plan B, you know. There could have been something else thought about this kind of, maybe this taxation. What could have been done to encourage... The, maybe the arts or the entertainment, as we would call it, for example. Mm-hmm. How can we make sure that we're getting that talent, still being part or paying into Italian society, for example, but still being part of what we want to grow or mm-hmm. ultimately? And I think it's, you know, we've talked a lot about how Serie A doesn't really sell itself really well already, but this is a huge opportunity that I think they didn't anticipate to happen straight away. And, yeah. you know, just as an example of the impacts, like Inter Milan's kind of wage bill is at 44.7 million with the decree, but now they'd have to pay 59.6 million. So this huge jump in terms of that revenue that they have to somehow, and this, this is not just Inter Milan, you think about Milan, Roma is going to be a good example because Claudio Lotito yeah. has basically said, look, Roma are dead now because they had to pay for Jose. They had to pay for Lukaku, and now they're not going to have those. That Dybala contract yeah. is going to be huge. Yeah, like it's. I'm massive. surprised Juventus still haven't gone in there with a bid, but the, the, yeah, <laughs> getting back I on know, the there was the rumors. There was the rumors. <laughs> I'm surprised people in Europe haven't actually clocked on to these contracts as well. But I suspect it may be one that will, as January goes on, we might see some moves or. Things happen. Well, he yeah. has he has a release fee yes. that is just for teams outside Italy. He, so, think, from what right? I've read, it is for teams outside of Italy, but also there is the opportunity for the likes of Juventus to go in there, but it has to be agreed oh, okay. by Roma. So, this is where they have to sweet right, talk okay. Roma and say, "You're short of some money. Let's pay you a little bit extra, maybe on the side, and then." release Dybala to us well it'll be interesting because Dybala had his issues with the old board didn't he not necessarily the current board so we'll see but back to the topic I think this is going to be one of those that maybe Serie A regrets really right now if the growth decree does get pushed through now yeah, it feels like a real shame because as we said there was a renaissance there is a renaissance in in Serie A and people are really like I know 
Well, I always measure it. Like when I go home, my mates talk to me about Serie A. Now for the English people to talk about a foreign league never yeah. happens. We don't pay yeah, attention exactly to foreign things. But for my friends to turn around and be like, oh, I tell you what, Fiorentina are decent or Roma are looking good. Like it's genuinely generating interest um, outside the country. So it's a shame to see this. But Adam, you said you were looking for positives. Did you manage to find any other positives? <laughs> um, not off the top of my Very head, but I mean, I suppose the big one is that sustainability <laughs> piece, which is encouraging teams like your Empolis, for example, etc., to grow. And we, it's interesting, we've seen the likes of Sassuolo, for example, use a model where they've brought in talents from Italy and maybe brought to a lesser degree, but they've basically coached them up and then sold them off as a profit. So I think mm-hmm. that that's the aspect that I think is going to be encouraged with the clubs because for them to compete with the likes of Milan, etc., they need revenue, right? They need big revenues to come through the door. And I think that's where it's helped with the likes of Fratesi, Locatelli, for example, Scamacca. Those sales probably cemented their future going forward. And I think it'll be interesting yeah, to see yeah. how that kind of develops going forward because... You know, there's there's always one or two talents across those lower-reaching teams. So, for example, Empoli have Tommaso Baldanti, who, are, you know, I'd be interested to see yeah. where his future is, for example. We saw Perezzi, for example, leave Empoli for Fiorentina as well. That was another one. Empoli is another example of that kind of club. And we've looked at the success of Bologna this season. They're a good example where they bought mm-hmm. in players, trained them up, and then they sell them on that profit as well. So I think that's the element that you can kind of say growth degree will benefit. But the problem is when you've got clubs like Juventus, Inter, Milan, they've got bigger kind of crowds coming to watch their games. That's how they make the revenue. For example, sponsorship is bigger for those clubs as well. So it's going to be harder. They also, I think, yeah, I think they also don't want to be feeder Mm. clubs. I feel like every European league now and it's Mm. something that I think is a fair criticism and Francesco I'll go to you for this but it's a lot of Serie A fans or La Liga fans saying we're sick of being a feeder league for the Premier Mm. League like basically any players that get decent just get bought by the Premier League and Francesco is this something that concerns you and do you think it would push more Italian fans towards the Super League idea if this was to happen? Mm, That's a tricky question um the Super League is a whole new uh, and other topic, which um, I actually remember listening to you guys talking about talk about it. Um, to me, the Super League is something that was a good idea, very poorly applied and presented, mm, okay. especially in the first uh, <laughs> currency that the right. clubs just. All of a sudden, from one day to another, came around and say like, "Okay, we're going to leave the leagues and leave the UEFA and do our own thing." Um, but the idea behind it was a good one. I mean, yeah, was a good one because um, FIFA and UEFA have way too much power, and it was quite clear that they were using that power as a monopoly. Um, I always think that. If you call yourself the regulators, then you either make the rules or make business. If you make, it becomes a bit tricky to understand where the limits are and uh, you're working. If you're doing anything that's uh, a bit uh, more for your own benefit, um, 
Mm -hmm. I don't think in Italy people are going to be so much pro Super League, mainly because we tend to like the Serie A, we tend to like the teams we, who are playing in it, uh, and supporters of the teams in uh, in Italy that are very attached to their teams and of all the different derbies that are in Italy. There's a lot of mm -hmm. uh, rivalries between a lot of teams. If you think in Tuscany, there's so many, there's a team in every city and they yeah, yeah. play each other almost every weekend. Um, same with the uh, <laughs> north of Italy. You have uh, the derby with Inter. We have the derby with Torino. There's the one with like Milan. There's a lot of these uh, big games where people are going to are excited about it. They're going. They're always excited to play against uh, big teams outside of Italy. But if the Super League happens and they end up playing with teams that maybe have not less appeal, but it becomes too much of a regularity, I don't know if the fans are going to be so excited uh, about it in a certain way. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's uh, it's a very difficult topic to, to think about. I think the, the Decreto Crescita, the impact it will have on the Italian team is they might uh, have more talent poached from them, as you were saying. Uh, I know that a lot of people think that uh, we're feeder clubs for, feeder teams for the, the Premier League because Bournemouth can come in at of Juventus. So, of course, then they're going to be like a bit... Uh, Questioning why a player rather than Juventus is going to go for uh, a bottom of the mm -hmm. table team in uh, in the Premier League, but then again, I go back to what I said before. This address more the systemic problem of the Serie A and the whole pyramid of football in Italy, um, because if uh, we want to catch up, we need to change the way the whole structure is and the way we approach uh, football and. Um, I think that, as you said, Adam, before the, the football, um, the, the TV rights. I mean, now we had a deal that's not that great, but until the, with the previous deal, it was impossible to understand where you were supposed to watch a game. You had to have three different memberships, uh, subscriptions to be able to watch all of the games if you wanted to. And uh, the Champions League was even a different one. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a bit, uh, we'll see. I don't think the Super League is going to be something that's going to entice so much to, um, to Italian fans. Probably mainly also because it was pushed by Juventus. And if you're not a Juventus fan, everybody else hates Juventus. So <laughs> I think just because of <laughs> yeah. that, they won't really yeah. be supporting it. That's a very fair point. If you want to get Italians to not do something, just tell them Juventus yeah. wants to do it. And 90% of the country will go, no, nah, we're okay. We don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. That's a very fair point. That's a very fair point. Well, it's... For me personally, it's good to hear that, like you know, in Italy, and I can see it here mm. as well when I talk to fans that there's, there isn't that much interest in the Super League. I just hope that the growth decree doesn't push people that direction because I think it may well do. But we're going to keep up with this story as and when it develops, I suppose, and see how fucked it are because it's going to be interesting to see how how, how hard it hits them. Um, but for now, we're going to take a very quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to come and talk about some actual football on a football pitch that happened. Balls were kicked, goals were scored. Some. <laughs> we will see you on the other side. 
Hi, I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian Podcast. Welcome back. All right, it is time to talk about everyone's favourite energy drink, Carabao. Let's talk about the Carabao <laughs> Cup, and it's been thrilling. It was goal a minute as, well, let's start with the interesting one. Middlesbrough 1, Chelsea 0. As things mm. continue to get worse for Chelsea, I saw a great tweet this week, which was, um, Chelsea could have spent $250 million on Kim Min-Jae, $250 million on Osimhen, $250 million on Joshua Kimmich, and $250 million on any other centre-back, and it would have been better spent than the billion they have currently spent. <laughs> um, every time they play, there's a player, I've no idea who they are. Um, <laughs> this time it was Archie who came on at the end. No idea who that lad is. Um, yes. he, he did all right for the five minutes he was on, mm-hmm. but overall, Chelsea were pretty terrible. Um, it felt like... You know when a team's just passing in that U shape, it just kind of really doesn't go anywhere. They're just passing it from left back to centre back to centre back to right know. back, and just for ninety minutes. Sorry, I let you more. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know it well. You know it well. Um, but Adam, for Chelsea, is this the most predictable result ever? Um, before the game, I was like, Middlesbrough are definitely winning this. It's predictable in a sense that you knew they wouldn't do well in one of the legs, I would say. And you could see to a degree that he was kind of trying to compact the midfield. What was a bit strange was having Cole Palmer up front, who's more of an attacking midfielder. So it's the equivalent of, say, putting Locatelli up front. It it just doesn't make any sense, really. It, It just... Why would you do that? Especially when you've got a striker on the bench called Armando Brogia. Okay, he's not got the full fitness, but you'd rather someone that is natural to that position. And Cole Palmer had a good game, I would say. On yeah. you know, He missed a lot. He did miss a lot, but it's not his fault. It's not his natural position. It's not his mm-hmm. natural game. He's someone that is more of a number 10, someone that sits behind the striker and then can float between them and rotate and go between them. So... It, it was just such a weird kind of formation that Pochettino and approach that he decided. And I think there is some maybe question marks that have to be aimed at Pochettino and the way he approached it. Um, mm. That said, it's only one goal in it. They've got a second leg, which they're lucky to have. So they can <laughs> yeah. turn it around. But I would say Millersburg looks really up for it. They have an exciting team. I was looking at some of the players that they've got, a lot of them being plucked from the Dutch league, for example. Mm-hmm. So Van der Berg, for example, looks incredible. So th- there is some really interesting players that they've got. And even in the build-up to this, they were missing their key striker for this match. So the fact that they've had to rotate it. And again, there's a local boy that scored the goal and he looks yeah, quite yeah. good. Um you know, it's starting, it's starting to look really rosy for Middlesbrough. And it reminded us of that time when Massimo Macaroni scored in the <laughs> semi-finals <laughs> a few years, many moons ago for Middlesbrough. But yeah, it was that kind of team, that kind of team spirit that Middlesbrough have. And it wouldn't surprise me if Middlesbrough do manage to get a result at Stamford Bridge and put themselves in the final. But Rory, you also saw this match. I mean, what was your comments of Chelsea as well? Um, Chelsea, I just thought it was as uninspiring as I've ever seen Chelsea. I just thought there was no ideas. There was It just seemed to be Raheem Sterling running in straight lines again. It was like the worst version of Raheem Sterling, I think. Um, 
Madweke is a player who I thought showed loads of promise and some really bright mm. sparks, but that's disappeared. I feel like he was playing yeah. better under Lampard than he has been under Pochettino, which <laughs> says a lot. Um, yeah. Enzo Fernandez was taken off. I think the only player that could walk off the pitch with any sort of credit was Caicedo. I thought he played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a moment at the end which really disappointed me, which, which was Cole Palmer just storming off the pitch at the end of the game. He didn't really hang around to shake anybody's hands. I just felt a bit like, oh, come on, mate. Like, are you starting to believe mm. your own hype a little bit? I thought that mm. was a little bit disappointing. But for Middlesbrough, um, Jones on the wing is a player that every time I've seen him play looks super exciting. I think he got man of the match as well, but he created the most chances. He was a constant threat. Mm. Um, the Levi Colwell looked very ordinary against him. I thought he managed <laughs> to beat him a few times. Um mm. And the other player that really stood out for me as well was Hackney. And obviously he got the goal, but he's now obviously being linked to moves like Tottenham and um, (laughs) I think Brighton were linked with him and maybe Palace, Mm. I can't remember. But he's a midfielder that's been getting quite a bit of attention in in the Championship this year. And I thought he was really good, not just his goal, but he played very well in general. Um, But I think the other point here is Michael Carrick. Um, Mm. It's quite funny, I think. The, the midfielders, Lampard and Gerrard, were massively overhyped and have been crap managers. And Michael Carrick, <laughs> underrated and is incredible, much like his playing career. Um, mm. I feel like he didn't get anywhere near the amount of credit as Lampard and Gerrard did, but he was equally as good as them. Um, but it's great to see him doing a very good job as a manager. Now, obviously, I've got a friend, mm. um, Colin, shout out Colin, who is a Middlesbrough fan. Um, and he said it was really difficult with Carrick because they'll just go on a massive run of like losing seven games but then they'll go unbeaten for 10. So he said they started this season with like five straight defeats and everyone was like, Mm. oh God, this is going to be a long season. And now they find themselves three points off the playoffs, right? And everything's looking really, really rosy. So I think we've got a very a very exciting young English manager there because I think this isn't the type of football that Middlesbrough usually play, right? They don't usually play Mm. 10 men behind the ball catch teams on the break like they're used to kind of keeping the ball taking the games to yeah. teams so I think we've seen a tactically flexible manager there as well and mm. someone who's able to get his players to buy into an idea and get a message across quickly so I think it was really exciting to see Carrick getting that performance out of that team and hopefully mm. hopefully he gets Borough up to the Premier League at some point and he kind of gets that yeah. job done but I think he's a manager that before long we'll see we, we will see him in the Premier League um but Francesco, Chelsea, do you find it funny how terrible Chelsea are? Because we find it hilarious. <laughs> I find it hilarious. To me, it's still incredible that uh, a team who spent billions like this uh, aren't able to, to win games that they should be dominating. Um, I mean, I'll cut them a little bit of slack. It did feel like they were slightly unlucky with some missed occasions. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, those are the games that you should put the ball behind the net uh, quite quickly because mm-hmm. the longer you let them run, the, the more likely you are to end up like it did losing the game and uh, uh, having to win back at home in a situation where you're playing against a team who defensively have shown that they can close the door and uh, park the bus. Uh, although that's probably not what mm-hmm. they're going to do because, uh, as you said, Carrick is having them play quite uh, an expansive, uh, expansive form of football. Um, there will be interesting second leg. I still... I have to think that maybe Chelsea will pass. Uh, hope not, because it would be even funnier, but uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, this is why the Carabao Cup needs to get rid of two-legged semi-finals. I don't yeah. like it, because you never get an upset. Whenever you see an FA Cup 
if a lower league team gets a draw in the FA Cup, they always lose the replay. They never yeah. win the replay. It happens <laughs> yeah. like one times in a thousand. So I think the second leg, it just needs to get rid of it. I know it's all for money, but get rid of the second leg and Borough should be in the final. Morally, Borough mm. fans, to us, you're already in the final. I'm sure that's, yeah. that's what you really care about. Um, elsewhere in the Carabao Cup, I thought Fulham were going to win. Uh, but of course, mm. Liverpool are at Anfield and they always win when they're at Anfield. Um, Curtis Jones scoring again. What a season he is having yes. at Liverpool. Incredible stuff. Cody back, Gakpo coming off at the bench. Um, an Arsenal player did manage to score against Liverpool. Unfortunately, it was William, <laughs> uh, but I'll take it. Um, I have a question for you, Adam. I think this Liverpool mm-hmm. squad isn't the best, but are we seeing the best of Jurgen Klopp? I feel like he is managing games incredibly well at the moment. Yeah, he's making use of his players, isn't he, quite well. Um, when I looked at the team prior to kickoff, it didn't inspire me. It has to be said, mm-hmm. I was a bit disappointed in the way that the players that he had at his disposal, he used them. It was interesting that he went with a combination of experienced and unexperienced players at the back, for example. Um, but then even when you look at the front line, you had Diego Jota leading the line with Cody Gapko and Harvey Elliott, which I... I mm-hmm. Harvey Elliott is still one of those enigmas where you don't actually know what position he's good at at the moment. He's either played in the midfield or he's kind of behind some of the strikers and he doesn't seem to know his place yet. Um, But to your point, Curtis Jones really dictated the play, especially when they went back by the fact that they were conceding goals, or conceded a goal, should I say, even. That's where he started to come and grow. And he's starting to show what I think we probably said a few episodes ago where we weren't too sure about him. When you give him the game time, he seems to be inspired. He seems to be leading it. And it's interesting that he's taking on that responsibility. So he's definitely growing as a player and as an individual. And maybe that's all he needed was a bit of trust. Someone that, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann, just, or Jurgen Klopp, should I say, just arm around his shoulder and saying, look, I trust you. You can dominate this midfield for me. Um, but yeah, I, they got the job done, I would say, but I still have hopes for Fulham. I think they can do it on the night in the second leg, being that it's at Fulham's ground as well. Mm-hmm. The fans yeah. will be there. If you can beat Arsenal at home, yeah. you can beat anyone at home, right? You can't. Exactly. If you can beat the mighty Arsenal, then you, you should be able to beat Liverpool at home. So there is still hope. Uh, there's still hope for Fulham. Um, but Francesco, do you think, can you see Liverpool winning a few things this year? We've been talking about how they're quietly going about their business and they could pick up quite a few trophies. Uh, I have the feeling Liverpool have been kind of underrated in the beginning of the season and the first half of the league. And now people are starting to realise that actually they're playing quite well. Uh, that Klopp, as Adam mm-hmm. was saying, is managing the games uh, very smartly. And um, I do, I mean, I think they, it's going to depend on how they're going to cope with Salah's absence in the league for the next uh, few games. Uh, I mean, hopefully he gets back in a certain way quite soon for them because it's better to have Salah than not have it. it? But uh, it gives the opportunity to some players also to maybe take more responsibility. Um, as Adam was saying, Curtis Jones in midfield, uh, he's taking the opportunity he's been given this year and he's giving uh, Jurgen Klopp the headache of who do I pick because he's in great form, mm. but he's not his usual start normally. Uh, so 
so now Klopp has to choose who to play and uh, that's always something that as a manager you kind of want and don't want. Up front, uh, with, mm-hmm. without Salah, there's a lot of players who now have the opportunity to make that same uh, impact and give Klopp a conundrum on who am I playing up front between my regular starters. Uh, so, I mean, in the Carabao Cup, I think if they reach the final, they're going to be probably the big favourites. Um, mm-hmm. And in the league, uh, it will depend for me the next uh, the next few games without Salah and uh, how they cope uh, with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, with Man City on the horizon, you never, ever really know. <laughs> um, but... Um, I saw a mad stat today. The player that has the most assists for Liverpool this season is Darwin Nunez. Um, absolutely yeah. blew oh. my mind. Yeah. Um, for, for a very chaotic player, he is very, very productive. Um, but for Fulham, <laughs> it's a good performance again at Anfield. I feel like they put in a really good, but they lost it at the death last time. Um, they mm. went 3-2 up, I want to say. Um, so another yeah. decent performance at Anfield. Just can't quite get the job done. But Marco Silva, Adam, giving Fulham... A very, very good season. They looked like they were going to get dragged into the relegation race, and now they're in a semi-final yeah. and still in with a shout of a final. They are, and as long as they can keep those players until the end of January, then yeah. they've got a good chance of pushing up that table. I think Paulinho is the one that they have to keep their hands on at the moment. Um because, yeah, without him, I think they struggled. I still think, you know, that's the ultimate player that they build a team around at the moment in time. Um, but I yeah, also think he's Anthony Robinson, sorry. Anthony I was Robinson, going to say, sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's another one that's, I think, on the lips of a lot of teams at the moment because of what he's displayed this season. It'd be nice to see what he does consistently going forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only thing. But again, yeah, Marcus Silva's done wonders when you consider the backdrop of Mitrovic left. There was a bit of a cloud over Fulham's kind of shoulders. I don't know where they were going with, for example, Raul Jimenez, for example, when they brought him in. I didn't know whether that was a right move, but look, he started to score as well. And it was interesting through that little burst of form that you saw lots of players like Alex Awobi, for example, contributing. You saw Alex Wilson for... um, Oh, is it Alex Wilson? But Wilson, the Harry Wilson, even sorry. Harry Wilson. Uh, that's the one I meant. Um, so they're all contributing goals. They're all assisting. They're all really good, really fluid. And Willian is another one that's just blossomed under Silver as well. It's just incredible to think about what was it, 18, 36 months ago? He was really struggling with you at Arsenal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, incredible, right? It's a time of time moves very, very quickly in football. It moves very quickly. Um, but we are going to leave the Carabao Cup there for now, I think. Mm. Um, Francesco has just temporarily left us, but I am messaging him on the side to see what happened. Uh, hopefully, he's he's still alive. Um, and we're going to move to the Copper Italia. We're going to just continue. Um, it looks calm. It's like a duck. It looks calm, but underneath, <laughs> it's just absolute chaos. The legs are kicking, right? Um Let's go, Adam. Let's talk. Yes. Let's get the boring ones out of the way first. Uh, Fiorentina <laughs> nil, Bologna nil. Bologna absolutely hammered Fiorentina. Didn't manage yeah, to score. Did. Fiorentina win on penalties. That's how it goes, right? That's, yeah, that's the moral of this story. Unfortunately, Italiano seems to be playing this really unique style of football where he's picked it up from David Boys and then he's sort of seen what Allegri's doing and he's going. Do you know what? We don't need to play artistically. We can play really boring football and still get results. And, you know, 
no one really can make their minds up with Fiorentina. They don't, even the fans, I think, are pulling their hair out at what they're displaying, but they're getting results. That's the thing. That's the very strange thing about it. They're getting results. Mm-hmm. They're through to the semifinals. They've got a huge opportunity now going forward because they face Atalanta. And, you know, I, I, I you know, over the course of that game, it, you don't know what to get with Gasparini's Atalanta. Sometimes they want to be there and sometimes they don't. So Fiorentina have a huge opportunity there. And um, yeah, if they carry on in this kind of style of football, it seems to be winning them games. Two of the most inconsistent teams in the league going up against each other is going to be really interesting, I'll be honest, because literally anything could happen. It's a shame for Bologna, though, Francesco. I felt this was a big opportunity for Thiago Motta to put Mm. his stamp down and really obviously doing an incredible job at Bologna. I really wanted him to get it done. It's a shame, right? Yeah, it would have been uh, quite a nice... Victory and uh, I, I would I think if he would have brought Bologna to the final that was kind of a best case scenario he would have would have mm-hmm. really uh, cemented uh, his season and his tenure at Bologna uh, he's doing an amazing job but, uh, I mean I remember we played uh, them at home the second game of the season which was after we won 3-0 against mm-hmm. and everybody was super excited about how Juventus playing magnificently I'm like. We're playing with Dinesic. Let's wait until we get someone who's a bit better and, uh, <laughs> with a bit more structure. Sorry, enough, we played uh, against Bologna with uh, a team and a coach who know what he's doing. And we drew 1-1 and we're very lucky, very, very lucky not to lose the game. And since then, they've been on an incredible form. They have uh, some really good talents. I mean, someone that has uh, also uh, um, very strong, because I think he's uh, six foot three, six foot four, something like that, but mm-hmm. very quick. Uh, but they also the other player that I really like is uh, Lewis Ferguson, which uh, is the Scottish yes. player who was captaining. Uh, it's a pod favorite, definitely. He was captaining <laughs> Bologna against uh, in, the, in the game against Fiorentina, and uh, he's also been uh, a player that's been on really good form and uh, playing uh, very well under Thiago Motta. So. It would have been uh, a nice uh, touch. Uh, it also, I think, would have if he would have gone to the final with uh, Bologna, kind of made it a bit more clear that he's gonna go. He's gonna move for a bigger club quite quickly. I feel like he's really on the mm-hmm. path to uh, take on a, a bigger job uh, within a, a year or two. My pick would probably be that he's gonna go towards Inter. I think Inter fans would be quite happy if mm-hmm. he, he ends up there, if he keeps up yeah. with, uh, with uh, this type of, uh, of performances. We'll see. Nice. Well, we're going to move on to the the, the Rome derby, I suppose. <laughs> it was, of course, absolute chaos. Nothing happened on the pitch. Zero happened. There was a penalty, 1-0 for Lazio. Um, but none of the talking points, obviously, are about the football. It's all about the fight at the end. Ex-Roma player Pedro gets sent off before Asmoon. I think this is the first thing he's done of note in a Roma shirt is get sent off in the Rome derby. And of course, Gianluca Mancini joins mm. him as well. Um, Mourinho, all sorts of noise around this one. Um, Francesco, I'm going to go to you. It's a bit of chaos at Roma at the minute and Mourinho's record in the Rome derby is horrific. Do you feel like the Roma board definitely aren't going to offer him a contract now, right? He's been begging for a contract, but it's not coming. Uh, unless he goes and 
maybe wins the, the Europa League, then he might have mm-hmm. a chance of uh, of staying on on. But I don't really see uh, his tenure going much longer. I went to see the game uh, against Juventus. I was at the stadium, moved to see Juventus Roma uh, uh, in December. Um, it was probably one of the most boring games to pick to go and watch because <laughs> Mourinho, <laughs> Mourinho ball and Allegri ball aren't exciting type of football to to see. Um, but I was, I mean, still I was really surprised at how poor Roma was. I think they had one shot all game, maybe two, but otherwise there was really nothing from them. Uh, I don't know how much of it is down to Mourinho, but. Uh, normally, uh, that's generally the type of football he plays, uh, and he's also kind of becoming a bit of a a, a figure of um, last and now. Like everybody knows, he's always going to be doing something on the sidelines, and it seems like people are more interested mm-hmm. in that than in actually what he's doing on the pitch with the team. So I think Roma, mm-hmm. who has both and a vision. Uh, that they want to achieve, they're probably going to be looking to find someone who's going to be bringing them a bit forward. But Adam, for Lazio, a disappointing season overall, although they're starting to rescue it a little bit. Um, does this cup run give Sally a bit of optimism, the team a bit of a, a kick in the right direction? <laughs> it's got to be better than nothing, right, at this stage with, with Lazio in particular. I think, obviously, they've disappointed this season and I think they've missed Sergei Malinkovic Savic in particular we've highlighted the fact that his contribution alone has meant there's been fewer goals from midfields and few assists so mm-hmm. it has been a consolidation season and I suppose when we saw what they delivered last season we were hoping to see the same again I was certainly one of those optimists thinking in the Champions League they may be the underdogs you know someone that would go very far in the competition especially with Sari and his credentials mm-hmm. of playing football, for example. Um, but I think obviously we know the reasons. Lotito doesn't want to spend money, or at least he doesn't want to spend the type of money that Sari wants on certain players to be brought into the club. You know, they were linked with Piotrzelinski in the summer, and you know, they're the type of caliber of players I think Lazio can't expand to. And you know, it's been interesting to see that kind of debate on the sidelines where Latito's making these casual remarks in the uh, kind of aftermath of games or before games, you know, and Latito's saying, well, if he has an issue, he can leave, right? So this is just so fascinating to see that as well as then seeing them do so well in the Coppa Italia. So it will be very interesting. It sets up an interesting tie, doesn't it? Because it sets it up against his previous employer in Juventus as well so um, Mm. this is going to be a fascinating match but I still fancy Allegri and Juventus for this one (laughs) I'm going to go to Francesco how do you feel ahead of a semi-final against Lazio Um, it would be you'd be happy if you won the Coppa Italia right I feel like it's always undervalued in Italy yeah I mean it's always a a trophy Um, we we have a good record against Lazio Um, and um, although they always somehow manage, especially since Sari has been there, to give us some troubles, um, I think mm-hmm. Lazio this season, as you said, Adam, they're really missing Milinkovic Savic. I think it's mm. a huge loss. Um, I was mm. quite shocked when he decided to go south to Saudi Arabia because he was a player that I was rating to go to any big club in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And mm -hmm. for someone who really hasn't won much in terms of trophies, to decide to go mm -hmm. in yeah. a league just for money, it's a bit of a odd choice. Uh, I think they also this year missed uh, Immobile performing at top. Uh, I think that has impacted mm -hmm. them a lot, mm -hmm. even though he's maybe not a striker that uh, you can rate that high, uh, especially outside of the Serie A. Mm -hmm. In the Serie A, he's someone who scores quite consistently and this year for them. Um, but, I mean, say, the Toroba Derby was, uh, it was just uh, very, very entertaining to watch, uh, as usual, not the football, but everything else. And uh, the game against the <laughs> semi-final, we'll see. I mean, if we're playing like we've played so far in the uh, in the Coppa Italia, we might uh, do quite well because we mm. we scored ten goals in ten games, which is probably more than we score in a month. In uh... <laughs> yeah, well, it, obvi obviously the players are really up for it. They must be really up for it. Um, but let's move on to Milan taking on Atalanta. Mm. Atalanta getting a massive win at the San Siro. Um, Leao getting a goal, but I still think the performance was summed up by the moment he just completely fell on his ass when he was running into the box. Um, I think it kind of sums up his season a little bit. Leao is having a season mm. to forget. But Adam, you saw this game. Milan 1, Atalanta 2. Coop Miners, he can't stop scoring. Um, what did you take from this game? Uh, the Atalanta were up for it. That's what I can say. I mean, it was helped by, to a degree, when you look at the team that Milan put out that they were trying to rotate players, right? And again, Teo Hernandez was playing in a centre-back position, for example. Musa came back into squads. Um, they're still kind of trying to find that harmony up in the final third as well, because although Pulisic has been doing quite well, Loftus-Cheek has hot and cold games as well, again. And, you know, it's just that balance, you know, Rinders is, again, very frustrating. So, again, from that point of view, it was inconsistent from a Milan perspective. But, you know, it only took 90 seconds after Liao gave the lead that, you know, Atalanta got back themselves into the game through Cop Miners, good ball into the box and Cop Miners really del delivers in that respect. And then they get, obviously, a penalty through VAR. Moranchuk is tripped in the box and obviously Cop Miners then takes it. So really solid performance. Uh, you know, Karnaseki in the Atalanta goal didn't have too much, really, I have to say. Didn't have too much thrown at him. So, you know, great result for Atalanta. Puts them within a shot of winning this competition as well. And like you say, you know, they've got two of the most inconsistent teams in Fiorentina and Atalanta in the next leg. So it could be anyone that goes through in that, in that match. But I still fancy Fiorentina, Rory. But Atalanta, yeah. great performance. And I just have to very quickly say, I always enjoy seeing Seja Kolasinac still playing football. I always forget he's at Atalanta. And I'm like, oh, yeah. there he is. <laughs> My guy, yeah. Kolasinac, still getting that money. Fair play. Um, so always good to see that. And the last game, as we kind of said at the top, Juventus 4, Frosinone 0. I don't know where the 3 was coming mm -hmm. from. Um, Milik with a hat-trick. I was thinking ahead of myself. And Kenan Yildiz getting the goal. Now, Francesco, for our viewers who might not have seen too much of Yildiz, how excited are you about him? There's a lot of people talking about him. I am very excited about him. I think he's a really uh, exciting talent. Um, he's shown that uh, he's up to to play. And when I went to see uh, the Juve game at Roma, he was one of the few players who you would see pick up the ball and look 
for the for the goal. He was uh, attacking uh, the player. He's not afraid to, to try to dribble players, which in Allegri's team is a rarity. Um, so definitely someone that uh, I'm excited about. And uh, he, with Vlaovic, uh, could be quite an exciting duo to see play. Very nice. We'll have to keep an eye on him and just hope that Allegri doesn't play him at left-back like he does with every other attacking <laughs> player. Um, but, guys, we're going to leave the Coppa Italia there for now. We're going to leave the cup action behind. We're going to take a very quick break and we're going to come back with our weekend previews. See you there. Here we are, and it's time for the weekend preview, and we're getting as close as we can possibly get in England to a winter break, as the Premier League stagger fixtures. So this is your warning for fantasy football, guys. Double check <laughs> who's playing yeah. this weekend. Just double check your team. Um, and it starts today, as you are listening, with a huge, <laughs> massive relegation 12-pointer as Burnley host Luton. Um this is absolutely massive. I can kind of see Luton getting a result here, but what we will probably see is Burnley battle for 80 minutes, play quite well, and then concede. <laughs> right? That tends to be how the games go for Vincent Company at the moment. Um, and on Saturday, we have the most boring London derby in the world as we have Chelsea taking on Fulham in the West London derby. Um, but here, I think Fulham could actually get a massive result. We've been mm-hmm. talking about how good a season they're having, how frustrating Chelsea have been. I think this is a huge opportunity for Fulham to break their duck and finally get a result there. The late kickoff on a Saturday, it's the Newcastle United slot playing in the Newcastle United (laughs) slot as we have the Blood Money Derby. Newcastle taking on Manchester City. Who will be the most evil team in the UK? Um, Adam, do you think Newcastle can do Liverpool and Arsenal a favour? Possibly, possibly. Um, I still think, though, we're going to see the rampaging Man City get back into it, especially with Kevin De Bruyne having his little fixture the other week. (laughs) So I I think we will see him surface in this match. And in particular, they seem to be the form side going into this now, don't they? So I think it will be very interesting, but I think Man City have too much quality and they'll overcome this Newcastle side. Well, I personally, Adam, hope you're wrong, (laughs) but guys, fun's over. Fun's over, Man City are back. Um, On Sunday, we have two games. We have Everton taking on Aston Villa. Um, Nothing really to say about that. (laughs) And the late game on Sunday, we have Manchester United taking on Tottenham in a game where I always hope both teams can lose. Um, Manchester United (laughs) really... Really, you never know what you're going to get. Francesco, Manchester United, Tottenham, who wins? Uh, uh, hopefully, like the referee. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. And no Anana, mm. right? No Anana for Manchester United. He's still yeah. kind of undecided whether he's going or not. There seems to be a lot of stories about him turning back, but they'll have to be playing their second string goalkeeper, I think. So that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, but that's Ooh, all the Premier League. I. Goalkeeper of uh, Man United. Mm. Yeah, the Turkish yeah. guy, right? Yeah. 
I've not seen him play. It'll be interesting to see how he does. Um, let's go for Serie A, yes. Adam. It's a much more action-packed weekend. Yes, certainly is. It extends from Saturday to Tuesday uh, in terms of fixtures. So we'll start off with the Saturday fixtures and life after Dragosun. So Genoa kick off this campaign against Torino on Saturday, 2pm kickoff. So we'll be fascinating to see because Torino obviously got that great result against Napoli away to Genoa. So we'll see how that pans out. Then we've got, Rory, your favourite fixture of the calendar. It is Napoli taking on Salernitana. <laughs> that that, that ah, fixture I love is this such, dog, a, such a I random love one, isn't it? It's such totally. a random one. We're hoping for lots of more mischief from Salernitana, potentially against this Napoli side that still can't score goals. So let's see what happens there. Mm -hmm. Then we've got the relegation battle here. This is the equivalent of Burnley versus Luton. We've got Hellas Verona taking on Empoli at 5pm. So yeah, we're not going to be guaranteed any kind of good action there, but potentially lots of goals because Hellas Verona have just got rid of most of their team. So uh, wait and see what happens there. And Empoli, <laughs> Who knows Empoli have happen. added Shimon Shurkovsky, their classic uh, player that they love to have at that club. So we'll see what he can deliver. But 7.45 on Saturday, we've got Monza taking on Inter. Obviously, a bit of a rivalry again because they're quite I close proximity to each other. Yeah. So Monza, good form. Inter obviously need the win to set that kind of buffer against Juventus. Let's see what happens there. Then we move into Sunday's fixtures. So we've got Lazio taking on Lecce, Calgary taking on Bologna, Fiorentina versus Udinese. And then the big game this weekend, potentially AC Milan taking on Roma. So Jose goes back to the San Siro and probably will get no points again this weekend, Rory, because I can't see it happening. But you never know. Pioli might screw it up and we might see a one or draw or something like that. So let's see. Then... Well, this is this is the thing. This is the thing with Pioli, right? You're never quite sure. Francesco, how do you see Milan Roma going uh, quickly? Who wins, Milan Roma? Milan, hopefully. <laughs> nice, I, I like that. Yeah, I think the, just the, the, properly the, the, see the, off the Mourinho. Yeah, mm. they probably Lukaku won't be able to perform going back into the San Siro as an. Uh, they will probably boo him and uh, have a very tight marking to whoever plays in defense for uh, for Milan. Uh, I think Dybala is out again. I mean, when is he not? Uh, so, I mean, exactly. The the yeah, Milan. Cool. Nice. So, Rory, final two fixtures. We've got Atalanta taking Frosinone on Monday, and then on Tuesday, for Francesco's benefit. Juventus at home to Sassuolo. So uh, Sassuolo, they will follow up that 1-0 win against Fiorentina by losing 5-0 to Juventus, something like that. So that's typical Sassuolo fashion, <laughs> yeah. isn't it, really? So, and that is your fixtures in Serie A, Rory. Beautiful. Well, guys, we're going to give you your last break before we send you home. We're going to take an even quicker break, a, re a world record-breaking break. And we're going to come back with our new quiz and Adam's going to try to explain to us what the <laughs> hell's going on. Let's do it. See you there. <laughs> Welcome 
back. New year, new us, listeners, and that means a new game. And we are going to be playing. Adam, do you want to take us through it? It is called Tiki Taka Toe. Mm-hmm. Quickly, let's explain to the listeners how it works. So, for those that are going to be potentially watching this on YouTube, um, basically, you have two lines, uh, one horizontal, one vertical. And basically, we have to marry those two up to combine it with a player that has played for both of those clubs. So we've got a good example here, for example, if I'm going to use a current example, Rory, so a Milan player that is a Serbian international. So I would say, well, I'm not going to say it because it will spoil it, right? But there is is someone there. So, um, but basically you have to go down to make sure that you can draw a line essentially with your winning combination so obviously if you do guess a player and incorrectly guess that means it gives advantage to your opponent so uh yeah i'll leave at that point um hopefully those that are listening will enjoy this and i'll probably would say just get onto youtube and you can see it properly but otherwise worry i'll leave in your capable hands I'm going to let, Francesco, you're, you're the guest, so I'm going to let you play the first square. You, you can decide right. where to go, okay? Um, just say which the two, what the two teams are and the player you would like. So I will go with uh, Milan and Serbia. So the center one. And I will go with Jovic. Yeah, it goes one. Luka Jovic. I don't know if that Euros one means they've played in the Euros or they've won the Euros. What mm-hmm. does... I If it's played in the Euros, I think I've got one. Sorry? <laughs> okay. I'm going to roll the dice on Bologna played in the Euros, and I'm going to go for Arnautovic. Oh, play who won the Euros at Bologna. I have no idea. Francesco. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is going to be a tricky one. Uh, I'm going to go Oh, my God. uh... Milan and won the Euros. And I'm going to go with Florenzi. Ooh, that's a great shout. Oh, my God. I've got to go Milan and Lecce. Right. A player who played for Milan and Lecce. Um, a player who played for Milan and Lecce. I'm going to edit this gap to make me look much more intelligent. I don't know if I can come up with one. I don't know a player who's played for Milan and Lecce, so I'm going to bank on Francesco also not knowing a player (laughs) who's played for Milan and Lecce. Um, And I'm going to go for... um, Oh, God, how do I get three in a row? I can't really, can I? Um... (laughs) I don't know any Lecce players. That's the issue. <laughs> Bologna and Lecce or Inter and Lecce. Um, oh, my God. Um, I have no idea. I'm just going to try and go... <clears throat> but Inter and Serbia, Stankovic. Yep. 
I've That's not honestly definitely no an correct answer from my point of view. Stankovic, Stejan. Just so I've got something yeah. on the there board. There we go. Because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> it's embarrassing. Right, Francesco. So I'm going to try to Milan and Lecce because I think I remember someone, mm-hmm. but I'm really not sure. Um, and I think Gabriel, oh. who's a goalkeeper who was from Milan and known to... Yeah, to, I and he has completed it. He's won. Oh, oh that is fair play. <laughs> fair play. Absolutely. The second... The second Lecce came out, I was like, I am fucked. <laughs> like, I have no idea. Well, congratulations, Francesco. You are the first winner of our brand new yeah. quiz, Tiki Taka Toe. Um, if you are listening, make sure to come jump over and mm. watch it on YouTube as well to get the extra experience. Um, but next week, I will be doing the quizzing and Adam will be taking on... Um, someone maybe me i don't know we'll see what happens but guys thank you for joining us as always it's been fantastic um francesco when our listeners want to Mm. find you where can they find you on social media do you have twitter instagram if people want to find you um so i mean funnily enough the only social media i have is linkedin (laughs) (laughs) nice we're on linkedin That's a bit of an odd one. Um, but no, thank you very much, guys, for having me on the pod today. It was uh, great fun. Um, it was also my uh, esordio in uh, participating in a podcast. So nice. that's uh, always uh, an exciting time. And uh, I hope that I haven't bored anyone out when they're going to listen no. to it. <laughs> no more than we <laughs> usually do. Don't worry. No more than we usually do. Uh, <laughs> But it's been a it's been a fantastic debut. You got the win at the end, the last minute winning goal to make it a successful debut. I don't think you can complain too much. Adam, anything to say before I give the um quote of the week and let these people get Just on with their Just have a weekends? great weekend, enjoy the football, mainly in Serie A, obviously, and uh keep on giving us follows on TikTok. That'd be really appreciated. Hit the like and subscribe button down there as well. Guys, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod, and on TikTok, as Adam said, on Ang- at Anglo Italian Pod. This week, we could we had to end with a quote from this man. Some very sad news came out about Sven Goran Eriksson today. We just want to say our thoughts are with you, Sven. Um, and your family and loved ones. And we had to end with this quote that we saw from the great man. To be the England manager, you must win every game, not do anything in your private life, and hopefully not earn too much money. Uh, You didn't do too bad, Sven. Guys, we will see you next week. We'll see you on Monday. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. A dopo. Ciao, ciao. Beautiful. Podcast Network.